0: Welcome to the President and CEO Focus on the Middle Market podcast series, where President and CEO Founder, Paul Stuckel, discusses middle market issues with business leaders from across the nation. Today, Paul speaks with Ken Esch, a partner at PwC Private Company Services, about the results of PwC's most recent trendsetter barometer report on the state of U.S. private companies.
1: It was, uh, it was good to read an almost uniformly upbeat report. I mean, was yeah. that sort of your take on it, or did I miss the dark part? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm uh, I'm excited about the uh, results and, uh, and the report, and, and uh, feel like um, the optimism levels are uh, are very high, and and they're being backed up by uh, by some action uh, in the way of uh, spending and and some hiring. So uh, I feel good about uh, the growth trajectory that we're on right now.
1: There, you know, there were a few things that that sort of jumped out at me that I was wondering what your your thoughts were on um, mm-hmm. and I think I've asked you this kind of question before you know that I, I always take a look at sort of the domestic versus international um, you know outlooks because um, yeah. I've always found that to be somewhat intriguing uh, here in the US we've got a a pretty low growth rate I uh, still do and some of these some of these markets overseas the euro the eurozone not being one of them but other markets overseas you know have these rapid growth rates and it's 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 always intriguing to me to look at the different, different perspectives, uh, these uh, domestic companies that do business overseas, what, their, their perspective on the relative strength of the economies and growth opportunities. What, what, one of the things that's, that jumped out at me was there's this overall more negative view of international economies relative to the U.S. Um, among the, the, the group that you spoke to, and yet the folks uh, overseas have more optimism with respect to revenue growth. Which I thought was interesting. And I, I guess later on in, in the report, there was a sense that even even with their less optimistic view of international economies, their capital expenditures overseas are increasing faster than or expected to be greater than in the U.S. So right. th- there seems to be something of a dichotomy there. I mean, what do you yeah. think about that?
0: Yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of interesting tidbits of information you know, with respect to these um, international companies, I guess the, the first one that you identified is that the uh, trendsetter survey participants you know, are uh, much more optimistic about the U.S. economy than they are about the world economy. But if you dig deeper, um, one of the things that, um, that I enjoyed uh, reading was that the, um, that the number of participants who were pessimistic about the uh, domestic economy was about the same as those who are pessimistic about the world economy, both in that five uh, percent you know type of uh, type of range. and where you get the difference is really the number of uh, participants who are uncertain about the world economy versus those who are uncertain about the domestic economy. So when I look at this and, uh, and talk to clients, uh, I, I think that that the pressures from uh, from Europe, Still weigh on them. It appears that we're in a slow growth economy there. Perhaps cooling in uh, China and um, in Brazil affects their view about the about the economy, but it's not really changing their plans to, to grow, because they know and believe that over the long term, the uh, the economies and the purchasing power of, of, of economies is going to shift from, uh, you know, west to east and probably north to south, and to um, to get the growth, you know, that they're trying to achieve. Uh, they know that they need to be in high-growth markets. And even though they may not feel as optimistic about those um, those global markets um, relative to the U.S. economy today, over the long term they believe that the, the growth opportunity is better there.
1: You know, another thing that, that- – struck me and this kind of goes to the broader question. It was true in the international side, and you were talking about the you know, plans for capital expenditures uh and and, and that sort of thing. The whole capital expenditure thing struck me as interesting that in that in really two ways. One the concern about funding being available. Which mm-hmm. I was very surprised at that. Um and, and just because there does seem to be so much money sloshing around on the sidelines right now. But uh, presumably, the 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 reason that they are concerned about sufficient funding is perhaps credit availability um, in terms of the more stringent credit requirements. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that yeah. was surprising to me. And then I guess the second part of the capital expenditure bit was that the rate of of expe- expected capital expenditures seems to be declining. I mean, I think your report actually uh identified that right which was i mean uh, that almost tells me that there's well i don't know i'm not sure what it tells me it, it part it could be is it because they're chastened in terms you know in terms of getting burned over the the you know when the recession hit i don't know i mean th- what do you think about those two things
0: well maybe uh maybe first um i i, I did um uh, you know read the uh the concern about the lack of capital for investment um, with a little bit of a uh, you know, surprise it's inconsistent with uh, with what I see, you know, with uh, with clients today, inconsistent with uh, what the survey participants are telling us about, um, you know, the interest rate environment, in which uh, they tell us that their 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 borrowing costs are in the three and a half percent type of uh, type of range, so really low, you know, borrowing costs, you know, which we see, you know, in the overall economy that we do see continued investment, you know, particularly with uh with companies that are expected to um to, to grow their business at a rapid pace. So while this lack of capital for investment did, you know, creep upward and was an outlier, you know, compared with the other barriers to growth identified in the survey, I think it's too early to declare it a trend. Um we're still kind of down in that 20% range, which has been uh, consistent over, uh, over the last year. So we'll keep we continue to watch that one that one closely, but I think it's a little bit early to call that a, a trend.
1: It was good to see, I guess, that the list of barriers to growth, uh, they all went down from a year ago, right. which I – that's pretty amazing. I mean, that, if anything shows confidence, I guess that does.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was uh, – I, I don't recall that uh, ever seeing that in the last four or five years that I've uh, that I've done this you know done this report, but uh, the one that I have uh, watched closely is lack of demand, which is consistently at the top of the list for uh, for barriers to growth, and that dropped over the last year from 66% down to 53%, which is. Telling us further that um, the companies have uh, moved beyond trying to get a customer to buy, and are now mo- more focused on how do I reach that customer to help increase my sales.
1: And, and but uh, if, if there's if there's a positive outlook for the overall economy, that's it, isn't
0: it? Yeah. I mean, the other um, ones that um, that I, I was looking at were um, concerned about uh, you know regulatory and legislative pressures, hmm. and um, concern about increased taxation. Both have dropped, you know, eight to ten percent over the last uh, over the last year. I think with things being a little bit quieter in Washington, uh, that companies feel, you know, like the um, the regulatory legislative areas are uh, are stable for now, and that uh, they're much less worried about those areas.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was that was actually my next question. I, I you know, maybe maybe gridlock is good.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. I, I no, think that you no, know
0: a lot of companies you know that we work with are, are just looking for some stability and and not introducing too much change because it it distracts them in some ways from their uh, you know from their growth agenda.
1: So it's not necessarily rolling back anything at this point, although I'm sure that would be appreciated. It's more <laughs> like just don't just don't pl- throw anything. Th- no more curveballs. Uh, I'll deal right. with the environment <laughs> as is. Yeah.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, um, I wonder. I wonder how that's going to be uh, impacted by the president's uh, climate agenda that was announced yesterday. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, another curveball.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> boy, the hiring thing is also. I don't know. If there's a worrisome for me, anyway, if there's a worrisome note in in this uh, whole report, which again was overwhelmingly positive, it's the, it's the hiring component and. I think the reason that I, I identify that is that while a, a large number of companies are, are planning to expand their their employees, the composite was only two percent. I mean that, that suggests to me that this is really targeted kind of uh, hiring, right? And you know, I, I guess you
0: know the, the the report is not showing we're going to have significant increases, you know, to that composite workforce. That is uh, is different. Than what we've seen in prior recessions, where we've really seen a snapback of hiring following a recession, and that's just that's just not happening with this one. If there's if there's good news, you know, in the, in those numbers, you know, we are seeing a, a significant majority, you know, 63% that are planning to hire, and that has uh, has been growing, and it's been above 50% over uh, over a year now. So. While um, we may not have real significant additions to the composite workforce, a, a larger number of companies are expected to, uh, you know, to add them. And they are adding targeted areas where they feel that uh, the additional people will drive top line revenue growth and profitability. So we're seeing things like um, uh, sales and marketing to help find an additional customer or, or crack into a new territory. Uh, we're seeing hiring in the areas of IT, you know, where we can streamline processes and analyze our data, you know, to um, predict buying habits, you know, of our of our customers and try to help grow the uh, top line again. Uh, but we're also seeing areas in the, uh, I'll call it blue-collar labor areas, where we're continuing to see companies, you know, build some additional manufacturing capacity in in the, in the U.S., and uh, and trying to hire qualified workers to fill those uh, those positions. I,
1: I, I believe uh, it was in the uh, in growth barriers. It would it, the, the um, worries about qualified workers has pretty much stayed the same. So that that hasn't lessened any, has it? With 29 percent, yeah. Right. That's I, I keep seeing more and more data points on that.
0: Yeah, and it's um, while it's stayed about the same respect to the number of companies that are identifying it as a barrier, in virtually every conversation I have with a with a client about growing their business, that's a topic that comes up, and it's um, it's really across the uh, the board. It, it's it, it's in the you know some of the professional ranks. It's in some of the uh, sales and marketing areas, and it's um, at the um, at the factory floor level and uh, distribution uh, house employees. Um, that they're that they're struggling to fill you know, open positions. You know, and companies are are taking some um, uh, some bold moves. You know, in that, in that area, doing uh, things like um, first, you know, retaining the qualified workers that you have. <laughs> you don't want uh, you don't want them walking out the uh, out the door as the uh, labor markets gain some additional velocity here. And then they're also uh, developing internal training programs. To um, help assimilate new hires into the workforce and make them productive as quickly as possible, so taking those uh, experienced workers, um, developing some programs to help train new hires so they contribute immediately, and then perhaps the uh, you know the third area is where companies are going out to um, some community colleges and trade schools to help um, develop a curriculum to uh, develop the necessary skill sets and find individuals who have baseline qualifications and, uh, and a desire to work in, uh, in these companies. So they're, they're taking some bold moves to help reduce the impact you know, of, a, of a labor force that in many cases has been out of work for years. And some of those skills are just uh, stale and need to be refreshed for uh, an economy that is much more dependent on, uh, on technology than, uh, than it's ever been. Be sure to check back for future episodes of the President and CEO Focus on the Middle Market podcast series. Thanks for listening.